Hello and welcome to the final Southampton audio programme of this Premier League season. In today's issue, we have your usual feature interview and your look at the Southampton women's team, a look over the opposition of Liverpool, but first, a word from your departing manager, Ruben Sellers. Dear supporters, welcome to St Mary's for our final Premier League match of the season against Liverpool. A lot has changed since the last time I wrote to you. We now know Southampton will be playing in the Championship next season. This relegation is tough for everybody, but it is not the end. With your support, the team can bounce back fast to the top and host Premier League matches again in no more than a year. For me, this will be the last time standing on the touchline with a Southampton badge on my chest. It has been a huge honour to represent this club and be welcomed into the Saints family and I'll be grateful forever for my opportunity as a manager in the Premier League with such a special club where I've met so many amazing people. Today, we say goodbye to the Premier League with one last match day against one of the top teams in Europe and we will give absolutely everything to go out on a high. I would like to welcome Jurgen Klopp, his staff and his players and the visiting supporters to St Mary's. Liverpool have had a really strong finish to the season and will be a tough opponent for us today. But these challenges are what the Premier League is about. These are the games Southampton must push for to experience again as soon as possible. Last weekend at Brighton, it was really special to welcome Tino Livramento back onto the pitch after one year out. Tino is a hard-working boy who has faced the toughest period of his young career, but he has showed how strong he is. He is a player with a brilliant future. We were also able to give Premier League debuts to Don Ballard and Kamari Doyle, two players from our academy who deserved the chance to play in the first team. There have been two key elements of a successful season for our younger age groups, helping the B team win the Premier League 2 title and the under-18s to the semi-finals of the FA Youth Cup. We should be excited about the future. I would like to thank you all for the support you have given us all the way through this season. It is easy to be loyal to your team when things are going well, but you have stood by us even without the results you deserve. The way you welcome me into this club is something I will always hold in my heart. I will never forget the memories that we share together, good and bad, and the pride that I felt to lead your club every single day. Football is unpredictable, but I am absolutely sure that Southampton Football Club will bounce back. We march on. On to your Southampton women's update now. Saints head coach Mary Ann Spacey Cale has reflected on her side's debut season at the second tier level. Going into this season, moving to full-time operations and welcoming plenty of new players in a new league, the Barclays Women's Championship, what were the challenges? It's interesting. Because you can either see it as a challenge or you can see it as an opportunity. For me, getting the new players in and having the team bond, that didn't take long because it's such a good group of players and of people. I knew that those players who were coming in would be welcomed in and those who were already here would want to step up to the next level. That's all part of being promoted into this league. As staff, we had to work really hard on how we wanted to play and what we wanted from players day in and day out. It was great for the staff to see what that looked like in the first season and now we've got more information and more that we can grow again for next season. Despite it being a debut season, Saints spent periods of time in the top three. How did you manage those developing expectations given that you were a newly promoted side? We set out at the beginning of the season with the mission to finish sixth but we also challenged the players to say if there was anything else, do it. There was the idea that we should finish sixth and we could finish fourth and we might just. So we knew what our target was and the could and might just started to become a bit more real when we were in that top half. 
But, you know, at some point with a change to the structure and the change to full time, there would be a bit of a dip. We had our dip in March, but it was good to see how the girls adapted to that period when we weren't getting those results and scoring those goals. That was a great opportunity for us to learn. As staff, we could take a look at the sort of things we were doing, how we could improve on those to ensure that the first season didn't finish with us not finishing where we expected to, but also how could we put things in a place ready for next season. We talk about those positives on the pitch, but fans have been a key positive off it. What does that say about women's football at Southampton, where it's going and the support it's getting? You can't put into words how important the fans were. When you go to Durham and Sunderland and see them all rocking up and hear them when the girls are playing, it just gives you that extra little bit of focus because they make those journeys and they're here to support us. I think the performances away have certainly been for the fans that travelled those distances. I think at St Mary's, you can hear the noise is just groan and groan and the guys are just spreading the word. It's important that we keep that momentum of bringing more supporters in because that's what generates excitement and the energy on the pitch. Tino Livramento will be hard-pushed to have a tougher year in football, even if he keeps playing for as long as he's been alive. Still only 20, the defender has not only had to contend with injury, setbacks and mental toll, he's also been helpless to prevent Southampton sliding out the Premier League. Now that he's back, he wants to help Saints' revival. I need to ice my ankle first, says Tino Livramento, as he makes a beeline for the treatment room ahead of the last Saints feature interview of the season. The mind immediately begins to worry. Has he had another setback? When he re-emerges to sit down and chat, he brushes off the knock. It's nothing, he shrugs. In the grand scheme of the last 13 months, the memento's pain threshold has increased as much as his diligence to ensure every niggle is addressed. Nothing is last chance. Sure enough, he makes his long awaited return four days later, pain-free for the trip to Brighton. It had to be Brighton, of course, the scene of the crime as Saints were robbed of their brightest young talent and Livramento of a second season in the Premier League. Saw water under the bridge now as far as the defender is concerned. He attaches no emotional baggage to the setting of his comeback and can even laugh about the fact he nearly scored 20 minutes before his world turned upside down at the Amex Stadium in April last year. Football, eh? It was one of those innocuous ones that so often caused the most damage. Forcing Enoch Mwepu to dribble back towards his own goal the Brighton man suddenly turned sharply to his right as Livermento tried to match his movement, his knee buckled beneath him. It almost felt like the whole stadium went silent, he remembers. I just felt something like a loud snap in my knee and went down and I could just tell straight away it wasn't nice. Obviously when the stretcher comes out and you get taken off and you look at the replays and it doesn't look very serious, it's got to be something quite big. The action that I did in it was just a change of direction that a lot of people would do. Before long, his teammates were back in the dressing room for half-time. Some went to check up on him, but Livermento felt isolated. It was probably the only game my family wasn't at throughout the whole season, he reveals. That was a little bit weird for me, because that was the first thing I wanted to do. I wanted to see my mum, I wanted to see my dad, because I knew it was something bad and I needed them there. But at the same time, it was good for me to be on my own, and really experience what it's like to have something this bad happen. Because I'd come in, played every game, and had such a wonderful start... Everything was going for me, and then instantly, boom, just felt like everything went against me. I didn't understand why it happened to me. To offer some perspective, the elusive Mwepu was forced to retire six months later, following the discovery of a hereditary heart condition. It could have been worse, but Tino's time was tough enough. His debut season, for nine of its ten months, was a roaring success. 
The Brighton game was Saints' 34th Premier League match of the campaign, of which Livermanto played in 28 of them. Such was his impact, Carl Walker-Peters, capped by England that season at right-back, spent much of the year on the left to accommodate the former Chelsea teenager. I didn't expect to play that much. I've said that pretty much, uh, you know, every time. Livermanto, now 20, reflects. But obviously the manager and the club showed a lot of faith in me. I was 18 when I first came in and I was playing straight away in the Premier League. It was something you dream of, so obviously I was very happy, very excited. At the start, I almost didn't really think about the results or anything. I was just in the awe of playing, being in training and seeing all the players here and coming up to a Saturday. I remember playing my first game at home against Man United, playing against players like Pogba, Martial, playing people like that. It was in that game that Livermento announced himself to the St Mary's crowd, with a powerful run down the wing, accelerating away from Fred, shrugging the Brazilian to the floor and crossing dangerously into the box at the end of a 70-yard burst. The sort of surge that soon became his trademark, cementing his status as a fan favourite from the start. After four or five games of being in that zone, you kind of think, OK, this is the business, he explains. Coming from a league of under-23s where, yeah, winning matters, but... You're in the Premier League now. You're playing for three points every week. You just get into that mindset of, this is your job now. I guess at the start, no one really knew who I was. So they would just see my name in the starting lineup and think, who's he? I was kind of just carrying that as an advantage just to go out there and play my game. Well, it worked. Livermento, together with former Chelsea teammate Armando Broja, helped Saints occupy a place in the Premier League's top 10 until April, only for the season to fizzle out in the last two months, not helped by the absence of their influential fullback. Perhaps Livermento and Brozier paved the way for similar signings to follow, including four from Manchester City last summer, as Saints targeted another of Europe's elite academies. One of the new recruits, Romeo Lavia, Livermento describes as one of the best players of the season. The pair were already close, having been former rivals at youth. I've got quite a few friends at Man City that are similar ages, and they would say, we've got a new number six, be careful, Livermento grins. I would say, yeah, whatever. But I remembered, we played them with a couple of first-team players, and I thought, we're just going to smoke them. But he was playing, and he was unbelievable. Over the summer, I would be texting him, asking him how he was, and then obviously he joined, and I was very happy with that. Obviously, I haven't played with him yet, but training with him, he's just a different level. Hopefully, we've got two more games now, so who knows? Feel like there could be a chance. He was right. The pair did share the pitch for the first time as teammates, albeit briefly, following Livermento's 77th minute introduction last Sunday, the culmination of the toughest year of his most promising of careers. I wouldn't say it's been easy, but it's definitely been a lot easier because of the people around me, and I can't thank everyone here enough for what they've done, he says, keen to name check the Saints' strength and conditioning coach Billy Styles and physio Fraser McKinney. The two people that I work with closely, obviously Bill and Fraser, I don't know how they do that every day, being able to keep me motivated. I wouldn't be anywhere near the physical and mental state I'm at now without those two, 100%. You question yourself a lot and you think, will I be able to return or be even better than I was physically before the injury? But it's just all about believing. The coaches and the physios wouldn't do these exercises with you if they knew it was going to injure you again. I feel like physically, now I would say I'm in a better state than I was before the injury. So I feel like that's the best thing that's come from it. On the mental side, it's a massive challenge, I'm not going to lie. Good and bad days? Definitely. I hated when things would become monotonous. Always, every single time, they would always listen to me. And obviously I'm very thankful for that. Because it feels like 
they're almost my friends listening to what I want to do rather than me listening to them as coaches and then forcing me to do something just because they know it's good for me. When asked if there have been setbacks along the way, Livermento simply responds, loads. No one really knows, but I tore my hamstring in January, he reveals. It was at a point where I feel like I would have probably been playing in the B team within a couple of weeks. God knows what would have happened after that, whether I would have been able to play first team, but I was in a place where I was confident of playing. I had surgery on that as well, so I've had two surgeries, been out for over a year now, and I feel like I'm getting to the point that my body's in the best shape it's ever been. That was the biggest setback I've had. If anything, it helped me. The extra two and a half months, taking it to a year, just gave me that extra security in my head, knowing that it's okay. It's been a year. It's been a good place. I know it's strong. So many months dedicated to his recovery has left Livermento unable to arrest Saints' slide as the club's 11-year stay in the Premier League came to an end a fortnight ago. Feeling helpless from the stands, now he hopes for a setback-free pre-season to return in peak condition for the Championship promotion push. There's no way Southampton should be in the Championship. He shakes his head. The fans don't deserve to be supporting a club that's in the Championship, but that's one thing that we will never leave. The fans that support the club. We're going to need them more than ever next season because the Championship is not a forgiving league. You play so many games. The club's been amazing with me, with everything they've done, and it's not been a great season to not be a part of. I would have loved to have been out there with the team, suffering every week, but at least I'd be out there and be able to have my opinion on what we should do. Seeing the team in the position they've been in, I feel like even tougher for me because I've been watching every game. I feel like I've almost come to understand the point of view of what a fan must feel like. It's so hard to watch and know that you just can't do anything to influence the game. But I feel like I've done everything, coming to most games to support the team. And for me, it would just be nice to be able to come out at St Mary's and get a few minutes, just to show the fans I can still play football. Having revisited the scene of his darkest hour that left him prostrate on the Brighton turf, it would just be as fitting to see Livermento back at the place he left Fred on his seat of his pants this afternoon. Thus reminding those Saints fans not only what they've been missing, but what they have to look forward to. Time now for your final tactical watch of the season, once again by Sam Ty. St Mary's plays host to the final day of the season. What can we expect? This weekend's game may well carry a slightly odd feel to it, as both teams involved play their gaze firmly on preparing for next season. With relegation confirmed Southampton and the top four seemingly out of reach for Liverpool, there's certainly room for experimentation here. That paves the way for a whole host of changes to the squads for either side, with managers likely to hand minutes to those confirmed to be leaving their clubs, the most notable of which is Roberto Firmino, or those emerging from the youth ranks, such as Kamari Doyle and Don Ballard, who made their Premier League debuts at Brighton last weekend. The four-time whistle will present both sides a chance to fully reflect on frustrations as neither side had the campaign hoped or planned for. Speaking of experimentation, what changes are we seeing from Liverpool in 2023? Back in early March, Liverpool hit a rich vein of form as their performance has suddenly improved tenfold, leading to a seven-game win streak that put them within a shot of finishing the top four. It was no freak-up turn or eventual writing of fortunes on the pitch. It was a result of a tactical change from Jurgen Klopp that made Trent Alexander-Arnold the centrepiece of their possession play. When Liverpool are on the ball, Alexander-Arnold inverts into the holding midfield area and dictates play from the central zones. From there, he doesn't just conduct short interplay. He uses his brilliant passing range to unlock the other parts of the Reds team too. The switch to the left winger in space is particularly potent. In this role, Trent's influence on games has grown massively. 
His average number of touches, passes and chances created per game are all up and he's been Liverpool's star player for two months. How can you get the better of this tactical tweak and therefore Liverpool? Seven straight opponents failed to get the better of it, but Aston Villa broke the run last weekend and did so by man-marking both Alexander-Arnold and Fabinho, where possible, when out of possession, then targeting the space Alexander-Arnold vacates quickly when they did win the ball. It's not as simple as it sounds. First, it has to happen fast, with great accuracy, and your forward must be able to run the channels. Second, you have to catch Liverpool out of alignment, as when Alexander-Arnold moves inward, Ibrahim Akinate moves to the right to provide balance. He's well equipped to cover large spaces, but can be beaten by sheer pace, or can get stuck out there, leaving Alexander-Arnold almost as centre-back and looking uncomfortable. This tactic, while effective, is still new for Klopp's men, so there are windows to catch them on the hop. Those windows don't stay open for very long though, and you still have to find a way past the world-class Alison Becker at the end of it all. It has been a very difficult season, and our relegation from the Premier League was confirmed with a defeat to Fulham in our last home game. Our form has not been good enough in the running, with one win in 14 leading up to the final day today. Results like that will leave you in trouble, and it is tough to take for everyone involved with the club. This is the reality of the situation though, and we have somehow got to turn that disappointment into an effort to bounce straight back. As we know, the Championship is a testing and very competitive league in itself. Nothing will be easy for us, and Saints will have to be at the top of their game each week. We've seen the word reset used quite a lot recently, and I've used that word too to describe what the club now needs to enable us to get back to the Premier League as soon as possible. Relegation has an effect on the club and its surroundings, the city, the economy and the people involved in that. We have now got to focus our efforts on the future, pick ourselves up and go again. It was promising to see Don Ballard and Kamara Doyle come off the bench against Brighton were a Premier League debut for the former and a senior debut for the latter. This is perhaps a sign of what is to come next season and hopefully Championship football will offer our young talent some significant opportunities. Both Ballard and Doyle have been part of successful academy teams over the past two seasons and seeing players progress into the first team squad is always pleasing for the supporters, particularly at Saints where that link between the academy and senior setup has been so special over the years. A first Saints appearance in over a year, Fatino Livermento also came at Brighton and it is great to see him getting back towards full fitness after his ACL injury. Given that he is a fan favourite of the Saints fans, it would be superb to see him playing a key role for us next season. I must highlight the support of the Saints fans, which has continued to be fantastic recently. I've seen the impacts of your support from all sides having been a player and a coach and now acting in my role as an ambassador and a fan myself. As a supporter, you go through every single emotion and it is hard when you don't see your team win for a long time. Yet our fans are still there, showing their passion and love for the club each week, home and away, during a difficult time for everyone financially with the rising cost of living. I'd like to sign off by wishing you Saints fans all the best for the summer and I hope you have enjoyed reading my programme notes throughout this season. I'm sure we will be able to look ahead to the new campaign with optimism and it won't be long before that excitement starts to build once again. Franny.